When you came into the sanctuary this morning, did you receive something? You got a rubber band. All right. How many of y'all know about rubber bands? <laughs> they stretch. What are some of the things you can do with a rubber band? Somebody give me one thing. Huh? Hold things together. What else can you do with it? How many ladies, y'all, y'all put your... You yeah. <laughs> yeah, remember when I was... When, listen, when Maria was uh, doing her master's degree and she would go down to Baton Rouge and stay all week uh, and Sandra and I were at home by ourselves and I had to comb Sandra's hair. Now, I'm not going to tell you that, that, that what I did was, was, needs to be repeated. And sometimes she walked out the house with a, with a little ponytail, one sticking this way and one sticking that way. But I had a rubber band that I plaited and put the rubber band around the end of to kind of keep those plaits in place. Forgive me, Sandra. <laughs> but you can use rubber bands for a lot of different whole things together. You know, if you've got a bunch of papers you want to put it together, there's a lot of different things you can do with that rubber band. Some of y'all have something broke at your house right now, and you got a rubber band tied together, and you hadn't gotten it fixed in 10 years, but that rubber band is holding it together. But out of all of those uses for that rubber band, what's the one thing in common? That rubber band is only useful when it's stretched. I said it's only useful when it's, everybody say, stretched. Now, in some ways, that can also be said of all of us. Uh, we have the greatest value when we are stretched. Everybody say stretched. And only by continual stretching, that's physically, emotionally, and spiritually, will we reach our full potential that God has placed on the inside of us. Everybody say, stretch me, Lord. I like what uh, John Maxwell said. Uh, he writes a lot of uh, uh, leadership type books, but he says, get used to stretching. We need to get used to stretching ourselves. He says, growth, listen to this, growth stops when you lose the tension between where you are and where you could be. There needs to be some healthy tension between where you are and where you could be. Are y'all listening to me? And see, that's where spiritual leadership comes into play. Listen to me carefully. Most people are naturally tempted to settle into a comfort zone where they choose comfort over potential. They choose comfort over reaching their God potential. And they fall into familiar patterns and habits and uh, doing things, the same things, doing, doing the same thing the same way with the same people at the same time and getting usually the same results. Stretching always requires change. Everybody say change. Growth doesn't come from staying in your comfort zone. Fellow Elizabethans, growth does not come from staying in your comfort zone. You can't improve and then avoid change at the same time. Because the very nature of improving means that I am changing. Can I get a witness? You can't grow spiritually and yet remain the same. I like what Peter said in 1 Peter 2 and 2. He says, uh, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word so that you may grow thereby. Grow thereby. Now, go, if, you, if you got your Bibles, go to Hebrews 13. I, I said that you know, we're used to staying in our comfort zone, and many times we have to be stretched. And part of your spiritual leadership responsibility is to help stretch you. Brother Gary, can you come in right quick, please, sir? All right. Come on up, Gary. Now, Gary and I used to play high school football together. Now, we are much older now. And so, Gary, don't you hurt me, all right? Okay. <laughs> but one of the things that we would do, I know in high school and then when I played ball over at, at Tech, before we got ready to compete, we would have to stretch, right? Now, sometimes you can stretch yourself, but when you get the fullest uh, potential out of stretching, somebody has to help you. Now, Gary, I can do this right here by myself, stretching. But if you catch my arms, get behind me, and pull them even closer together as you can. Oh, Lord, there you go. Oh, I feel it, Gary. Thank you, sir. Appreciate you. Give Gary a hand. Now, listen, I could only, I could only go so far by myself. But when I had my teammate there to help me, 
my arms stretch even further than what I could do on my own. So I'm here to declare unequivocally without fear or trepidation that I, as your pastor, am your stretching guru. (laughs) And I've been called to stretch you to reach the potential that God has on the inside of you. Can I get a witness? And look at what it says in Hebrews 13, verse number 17 and 18. Are y'all with me today? So I got to stretch you. So when it says this, as I told you, when we learn how to get this right, when we learn how to, to embrace every part of Scripture, it's going to help us to move forward in our faith. The text says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your what? Benefit. Benefit. So if you are the stretcher to, to get out of the way and I'm pushing back, that's not going to be for your benefit or the person who's, in other words, you, it won't be for your benefit when you give grief to those who are trying to stretch you. All right. Next verse. Let's read it. Pray for us for our conscience is clear and we want to live honorably in everything that we do. All right. Now, I want you to go back with me. I mentioned something the other day, uh, last week, from the gospel according to St. Luke. And if we can go back there real quickly to St. Luke, the eighth chapter and let's look at verse 16 through 18. One of the things that I think that hinders us from stretching and reaching our potential is, is that we don't listen properly. Okay? Now, as, as, as your official guru for stretching you, uh, I'm up in front of you all the time. Or if I'll have somebody else come and share. By the way, if you missed it, you need to go back to our Facebook or YouTube channel and listen to Wednesday's night, first Wednesday in the Word from Pastor Justin Hagler. Man, that dude preached, he preached, he preached. And he was transparent, he was challenging us and in the body of Christ as a whole. Go back and listen to that message, amen? You better go listen to it because, hey, listen, that's, that was tailor-made for us, I believe, as well as other members of the body of Christ. But watch what the text says here. The Gospel according to St. Luke, verse number 16. Are y'all there with me? Let's read together. It says what? No lights, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under what? A bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Next verse, let's read. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Look at verse 18. So pay attention to how you what? Pay attention to how you hear to those who listen to my teaching. This is Jesus talking. More understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Did Jesus just say that? He absolutely did. Now guys, these verses actually come at the tail end of this eighth chapter and after Jesus had just told the parable of the sower. Y'all remember that? Verses 4 through 15 where he's talking about the parable of the sower a sower went forth to sow seed and it fell on different types of ground. Y'all recall that? And each one of those types of ground had a different textural surface uh, 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 composition to it. But the one that actually grew and produced was the seed that fell into what? Good ground. When Jesus and the disciples were all alone after he had told that parable, go, go look, look, look at uh, Luke 8 verses 9 and 10. When Jesus and his disciples were all alone, the disciples asked him to explain the parable. He says, his disciple asked him what this parable meant. Obviously, they had heard it, but they didn't quite understand it. He says, he replied, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God, but I use parables to teach to others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. What is it? When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't what? They won't understand. Jesus Use this occasion first 
to explain why he was now beginning to teach by parables. Because up to this point, he hadn't done that, okay? Up until now, he had been teaching by direct statement and clear illustrations, using a few parables along the way. But from now on, they were going, they, he was going to teach differently. His primary method would be the parable. Why? And Jesus gave two reasons why he was start teaching that way. Look, number one, Jesus wanted the open hearts. Everybody say open hearts. He wants the open hearts, the persons who were really seeking God to learn all they could about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Let me say it again. He wants the open hearts, the persons who were open minded, who were really seeking God. He wants them to learn all they could about the mysteries of the kingdom of God. See, parables much thought in order to grasp their meaning. I am convinced and I know without a shadow of a doubt that everybody that's sitting in here this morning is not really seeking God with all their heart, mind, and soul. I know we say we are. I know we pretend like we are. But when it really gets down to it, some of us are okay right where we are. Some of us are not trying to move closer to God. We're trying to figure out how I can stay where I am and be okay with God. And God always always is trying to get all of us who belong to him to grow in our faith, to get out of our comfort zone. Everybody say, stretch me, Lord. See, listen to me carefully. A person who really sought after God would seek, strive, think, and ask until he could find the meaning to the parable. And then he would chew on that meaning drawing all the meaning he could out of the parable so he could learn everything possible about God. So, so Jesus, number one, wanted to want the people who had the open hearts, the people with the open mind who were not closed minded to who were really seeking God to learn all they could about the mysteries. Everybody said the mysteries, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And second reason why he began to teach him parables was Jesus want the truth concealed from closed minded folks. Y'all listen to me. He wanted the truth concealed from closed-minded people. Can I get a witness? Closed minds are hardened and unwilling to consider the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Now, sitting there in the audience, guys, they they heard and they understood the words and the pictures with the which, which, which the words painted, but there was only a little interest in searching into the hidden meaning or the mysteries of the parable. And so the time and the effort that was required, they considered it not to be worth it. A lot of closed-minded folks don't want to go any deeper than Sunday morning. Hello? A lot of closed-minded people only want to read it one time. And if I don't get it, okay, let me close the book. A lot of closed-minded people, uh, if you say something that hits them where they live, or if you say something or preach the word of God in an area where they're not delivered, they get mad, close their Bible, and go home. Hello? Everybody say closed-minded. See, Jesus was saying at this point in time, if you're not really seeking me, you're not going to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Jesus and his message were interesting because Jesus, if you think about it, was a very capable teacher. Can I get a witness? He was a very capable rabbi. As a matter of fact, look at Luke 4 and 32 with me right quick. Luke 4 and 32, if you can pop that up. Watch what they said about Jesus. Jesus was not some boring, mundane teacher. They, even those who didn't agree with him would, would gather around and listen to him, even as they tried to trap him. The Bible says this in Luke chapter number four. And we look down at verse number 32. Well, let's, let's start at uh, verse 31. If we back at the verse number 31 with you right quick. Hallelujah. Then Jesus went to Capernaum a town in Galilee, and taught there in the synagogue every Sabbath day. There, too, the people were amazed at his teaching, for he did what? He spoke with a what? He spoke with authority. Go to Matthew, the seventh chapter, and let's look at verse 28 and 29. Matthew, chapter 7, verses 28 and 29. Glory to God. He spoke as one with authority. The text says this, when Jesus had finished saying these things, 
the crowds were amazed at his teaching. 29, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law, unlike the Pharisees and the Sadducees, when Jesus spoke, it meant authority exuded out of everything that he said. Now, he was full of charisma. He, he, he taught practical, helpful living. However, as far as committing one's life totally to his cause and his commandments, even though they acknowledged he was one who taught as authority, as far as denying self, as far as completely sacrificing all of oneself to the cause of Christ, they considered it not to be worth it. And I'll tell you, a lot of people in our churches, uh, they're okay with coming to church, but they're not okay with doing what the pastor asked them to do. One in-reach ministry, one outreach ministry. Well, I, uh, you know, I, I, that's, uh, uh, I don't have time. Oh, you don't have time. Why don't you have time? Well, I work and I have children. How many of y'all work and have children and are involved in ministry? See, sometimes we come up with excuses as to why we don't do certain things. But I'm here to tell you, God says, if you, if you belong to me, I'm, I'm looking for you to sacrifice for me. If you are born again, believe and bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which belong to God. So Jesus began to speak in parables because there are closed minded people who will not open the spiritual truth. Oh, they would they come and listen, but they're not really, when it, when it came down to sacrificing, giving their all, they were not ready to do this. They, 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 the, the carnal-minded people were not willing to take the time or the effort required to search out the meaning of the parable. And so Jesus actually said that he wanted the meaning hidden from those who are closed-minded. All right, so, so that's critically important for us to realize that if I'm closed-minded, whenever I break open the scripture and share with you what God's word says, and you shut it off and say, no, no that, I'm not going to do that, then your ability to understand even more is going to be dented because you're closed-minded. Everybody track with me today. So, so as we said, obey spiritual leaders, that's critically important because for you to understand the importance of that, I'm here to stretch you. I'm here as a spiritual leader not to let you get comfortable right where you are. I want us to be able to follow and obey the whole counsel of God, not just the part that's easy to do for us. Because I tell you what, if you study the Bible long enough, that's going to, that's going to be something that God's going to require of you that you won't think that you can do it on your own. And you should never think you can do it on your own. You can't love your neighbor as yourself by yourself. Because who's your neighbor? Anybody that's not you. So how are you going to love them as yourself in your own strength? You can't do it. Because you're sitting there right now and you know there's some folks who you really can't stand right now. But God said you got to love them. Y'all track it with me. There are some people in your life right now that they are there and God allowed them to be in your life because he's got to stretch you. Yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's trying to stretch you because you're comfortable right where you are. And you're trying to get rid of, you're trying to run from God. No, 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 I'm going to keep him around you because I got to keep you praying. Because if it gets too smooth, you stop praying. Are y'all tracking with me today? So, so, so obeying spiritual leadership is critically important. But there are going to be some things that, that, that I'm going to show you out of the scripture that, that's going to stretch you. And there's a lot of areas that we're in because we want to stay exactly where we are. Now get back to Hebrews 13. Let's look at verse number 18 right quick. I got to. I want to share some scripture with you. So y'all, will y'all, are y'all willing to walk with me in the Bible? Are y'all, ready to, are y'all ready to open your mind to the scripture? Because when you close your mind to the scripture, you're going to close your mind and, and, and your ability to be able to receive revelation knowledge. Jesus spoke in parables uh, because some were not ready to to, to, uh, to obey and to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And we'll talk about that in just a second. He says, pray for us, for our conscience is clear, and we want to live honorably in everything that we do. Now, the apostle Paul 
consistently requested that he be prayed for by the believers. Now, in this section, I told you that, that we have two responsibilities for our spiritual leaders. Number one, to obey them, and number two, to pray for them, in a nutshell. And I told you what type of leaders you should be following. I already said that. We're not going back there. One of the reasons why Paul consistently requested prayer was that Paul was constantly harassed, persecuted, and slandered because he preached the reality that Gentiles were full members of God's family. Are y'all with me? Jews, as well as Gentile, considered Paul's desire to heal the ethnic divide worthy of death. They wanted to kill him because he was preaching the mystery of the kingdom. What was the mystery of the the kingdom? What was uh, uh, the, the mystery of godliness that people didn't understand in the old covenant? What was that mystery? We taught it 15,000 times. Here's, the, here's that mystery. In the old covenant, they didn't quite understand that through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection on the cross, through his blood being shed, he was going to bring Jew and Gentile together into one body. What was that mystery of godliness? The fact that he was going to bring Jew. And I t- what I tell you last week, Gentile is anybody who's not a natural born Jew. Whether you African American, whether you uh, Caucasian, whether you Hispanic, whether you are uh, Asian, you are Gentile. And so Gentiles and Jews didn't get along. That was racial hatred. And the blood of Christ was given to bring Jew and Gentile together into one body. Now, some of y'all, it hurts you to think about that, but I'm going to tell you, you better get it right because that's the mystery of godliness. God said, I'm going to use my Savior, Jesus Christ, to bring every nation, tongue, and tribe together to serve and to worship me. But I, but, but I watch this, though, okay, because, see, some of your own folks will be the one that will throw stones at you. See, I, I, I told y'all, <laughs> uh, you know, a lot of y'all say that, yeah, I, I follow Dr. King, but some of y'all wouldn't follow Dr. King today. Because of what the message that he gave. Love your enemies. Some of y'all don't want to hear love your enemies. Some of y'all want to hear get your enemy back. All right? But, now, but watch it. Go, go to Acts, the 22nd chapter with me right quick. Let's start at verse number 15. See, see Paul caught a lot of flight. That's why he asked, pray for me. At one point, he was speaking to a crowd of Jews and telling of his Jewish heritage and his persecution of Christians until God intervened on the road to Damascus. Watch what happens here. In Acts chapter number 22 and let's look at verse number 15. Are y'all there with me? Are you looking with me? Let's go. He says this. For you he's telling about what happened to him on the road to Damascus. Okay. For you are to be his witness telling everyone what you have seen and heard. Look at verse 16. He's recounting, he's telling his testimony, he's telling to some of his Jewish counterparts what happened to him on the road to Damascus. And he says, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. This is Ananias talking to him now because Jesus had told him to go to to this place. And the man by the name of Ananias, he's going to take you in, take care of you. And then his sight came back and he says, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of of the Lord. Next verse, let's read. After I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying in the temple, and I fell into what? A trance. I saw a vision of Jesus saying to me, this is Paul talking to his Jewish counterpart, telling about his experience, hurry, leave Jerusalem, for the people here won't accept your testimony about me. Let's go to the next verse. Let's go. But Lord, I argued, they certainly know that in every synagogue, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. Now, look, and I, and I was what? In complete agreement when your witness Stephen was killed, I stood by and kept the coats. They took off when they stoned him. Now, stop right here. Guys, I've read this countless number of times. But I'm just now grasping what Paul was saying here as in this vision, as the Lord is talking to him, saying, leave Jerusalem because some folk will try to kill you. And notice what Paul does. Paul goes back and says this. Paul says, well, 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 God, they know me. They know I 
I used to kill Christians. God, they know me. I stood by and held the coats of those who stoned Stephen to death. Surely these folk ain't going to come against me. That's what he's saying here. And I kept the coats. They took off when they they stoned him. Look at the next verse. Watch this. But the Lord said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Now watch this. Stop right here. Up until this point, everybody is listening attentively to his testimony. And even uh, as, as, as Paul talks about how he sort of argued with God about there's no need for me to go because these folks know me. I stood with them when they were persecuting the church. Not sure they're going to be with me now that I'm running for Jesus, right? But now watch what happens. But the Lord, okay, back up, back up. But the Lord said to me, go, for I will send you far away to whom? The Gentiles. Next verse, watch this. The crowd listened until Paul said that word. What's that word? Gentile. They listened until he said that word. Gentiles. What did I just tell you Gentiles was? Anybody who was not a Jew, anybody who was not ethnically a Jew, they listened attentively until he said, uh, I'm going to, uh, God, God sent me to, 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 to go to Africa and minister Ethiopia to the Africans. He sent me to Asia to minister to the Asians. He sent me to these different places to go and share the gospel. They listened until he said that. Then what happened? Now, back up, back up. Remember what Paul was saying? Surely, God, I was with them when they persecuted the church. I was with them, God, when they stoned Stephen. They're sure they, they, they're going to love me. People love you until you start doing what God tells you to do. They think you're the greatest thing since sliced light bread. And thank God for, well, people used to say that, that, that old, when you think about sliced light bread, in other words, it's already cut up. Back in the old days, they had a loaf of bread and you had to cut it yourself, right? Or like they did in the, in the medieval days, you just pull the bread apart. But the greatest thing since sliced like bread. You thought I was good until I spoke truth that you didn't agree with. Then they all began to shout, what? Away with such a fella. He, he don't even deserve to live. They, they sought out the, if you go into this next chapter, you're going to see that, that they start trying to kill Paul. Why? Because he said, God told me, Brother Kenny, to go to the Gentiles and preach the gospel because the mystery of God in this is that God's plan all along, even when he commissioned Abraham to be the father of many nations, was that from your seed, all ethnicities are going to be blessed. Yeah, yeah. Just like Paul faced harassment, if you try to do this today, you're going to face harassment. And it ain't just from the other folks, it's from your own people. Now that I have your attention, are you listening to me? And I'm here to tell you, I'm here to stretch you. I'm here to stretch you because some, some of you don't even realize that you got some stuff in your heart that you never let God deal with. And you feel a certain kind of way about a certain people because of what you've experienced or what you've heard or what you see. And God is saying, I'm trying to get to your heart because I can't get you to your full potential if you got some hatred in your heart. If you got prejudice in your heart. Are y'all tracking with me today? Everybody say, stretch me, pastor. That's so Paul. Paul asks for prayer. Uh, uh, go with me right quick. Uh, let's, let's see some of these instances. Go to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. Look at verse 18 through 20. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 through 20. Let's read together. It says, well, pray in the spirit. Paul is the writer to the, to the book, of, this letter to the church of Ephesus, which we're going to be studying here in our church. Why the Bible study? Sign up if you have Shameless plug. Okay? Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers. My question to you is, what's your prayer life like? Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Pray in the spirit. If, if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, 
and you have a prayer language, you speak in other tongues, pray in the spirit, and pray with the understanding also. That's what Paul told him in the first, in first Corinthians. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't dismiss any gifting of the Holy Spirit, because if he gave it for the church, the church still needs it today. Amen. All right? Next verse, read. Right. And pray for me too. Ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain. Here it is again. God's mysterious plan. Here he is. That the good news, if if he says the gospel, the gospel is for what? Jews and Gentiles alike. That's what Paul just said. It's for Jews and for what? Gentiles alike. Verse number 20. Watch this. I am in chains now. Still preaching this message. What message? That the gospel is for Jews and Gentiles alike. I'm in jail because I'm preaching that. It says, still preaching this message as God's ambassador. So pray that I will keep on speaking boldly for him as I should. As Paul said, pray for me. Everybody say pray for him. Let's go, if you will, to Colossians, the fourth chapter. Now, let's, let's do this. Go to 1 Thessalonians, chapter number 2. I'm going to start at verse number 1. I'm going to unpack this one real, real. We're going to walk through this because I want you to see some of the things that Paul is saying. It is important for you to pray for your spiritual leadership. Because as long as we're doing what we've always done, everything just kind of goes along a little smoothly. But I thank God that there's some help because God is trying to move us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And if you, if, if you come with an open mind for the scripture rather than a closed mind, since your mind is closed, when you come to the scripture text, you ain't going to learn nothing. As a matter of fact, Jesus says, the, the little bit you do know, you're going to get discombobulated and confused about it. Right? Now watch this, watch this. Paul is writing, to the church at Thessalonica. He says, what? You yourselves know, dear brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not a failure. Let's go. You know how badly we have been treated at Philippi just before we came to you and how much we suffered there. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news. What Good news is what? Gospel. KJV says gospel right here. The gospel simply means the good news. What's the good news? The good news is that through Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, through his blood, Jew and Gentile will come together in one body. Right? And we'll be all around the throne worshiping the God. It says, watch this. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of what? See, as a believer, when you, when you stop preaching truth, truth because opposition arises up, what does that say about you? What does that say about you? Because your mama or your person who you thought much of comes against you because you speak in truth now. I'll tell you, if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna reach your potential, if you're gonna be stretched, as you're being stretched, going to your God appointed divine potential being played out in, in real life, there are gonna be times when people aren't gonna like that. But you got to keep moving with God. Everybody say, go with God. Yet our God gave us the courage to declare his good news to you boldly in spite of great opposition. Next verse, let's go. Says, so you can see we were not preaching with any deceit or impure motives or trickery. He says, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with what? The good news, the gospel. What was that good news? That through Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, his blood, he's going to bring out of two people group, he's going to make one. Our purpose is to please God. What? Hear me carefully. Look me straight in the eye, Elizabethans. It is God's, it is God's calling on my life. The very reason why I exist is to do what I'm doing today. I've told y'all before and I'll tell you again, I was the least likely person to be doing what I'm doing today. I I just never would have thought that I would be doing what I'm doing today. It was not even on my radar. But God arrested my heart in the year of 1989-88 and told me, I call you to preach. And in 1989, he told me, in spite of my objections, I call you to pastor. 
Who, me, God? I'm 25. I don't like talking in front of people. <laughs> and you're going to call me to do this? Everybody say, he stretched me. For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please who? So hear me carefully. Look at me. I love you, but I ain't trying to please you. I love you, but I'm trying to please God. Okay? So, 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 so. And I, as I always tell you, when I share something with you from the scripture, if you don't understand the scripture, let's go and read out the scripture. But just because I may do something different than what you would do it, don't mean that I'm evil. All right? Our purpose is to please God, not people. I got to go. He alone, he alone, everybody say he alone. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. Verse 5, let's go. It says, never once did we try to win you with flattery. I ain't trying to flatter you, as you well know. And God is our witness that we were not pretending to be your friend just to get your money. <laughs> Watch this. Paul is cold here. Everybody says cold. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you. Let me say something to you guys right quick. Hear me carefully. Some of y'all got to deal with your insecurities. Because you, because you don't get enough people telling you, hey, you're doing a great job. So you stop doing what God told you to do. Now, we are, the Bible does say, let another man's lip praise you and not your own. So it's, it's okay to say, hey, great job. But what if you don't get that? Ooh, I'm hurt. Ooh, ain't nobody told me I'm doing a good job. So God, I'm going to think about quitting this job because I ain't heard nobody say I'm doing. My question to you, are you doing what the Lord told you? Look at what Paul says. As for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. I'm not saying it's wrong to tell somebody, hey, great job. You ought to say... Thank you for serving. But what if you don't get that? I, listen, I'm still preaching and, I, and, and I, I don't look for somebody to come up to me after the service and say, oh, Pastor, great job, great sermon. Because I don't get that all the time. Because sometimes you're going to be mad. And you ain't going to tell me great sermon. And that's okay, too. Stick the truth. Paul says, as for human praise, we have never sought it from you or anyone else. Let's go, guys. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands on you. But instead, we were like children among you, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. He says, we love you so much. We love you so much that we share with you not only God's good news. We share with you not only the gospel, but Paul says we shared our own lives with you too. See, Here's what I'm after as your pastor. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it unashamedly. EBC has sat too long. Justin, Justin on Wednesday challenged us with that very same message. We've sat too long. Some of y'all, are, y'all look good in church. You, you, you sign up for the classes, you know word, but it's time to do word. I say it's time to do word. What's the last time you witnessed to somebody? What's the last time you went and served and, and helped somebody who's marginalized? Hallelujah. Everybody say, stretch me, Lord. We love you so much that we share with you not only God, uh, the good news, the gospel, but our own lives too. Paul says, we, I was with you. I lived amongst you. I shared my life with you. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preach God's good news to you, as we preach the gospel to you. Paul says, I'm a tent maker, and so I'm, I'm not going to burden you. Although I have a right as an apostle to receive support, I'm going to work as a tent maker so m- nobody can falsely accuse me for preaching for the money. First Corinthians 9, he said it is right for them to receive. If, you, if you're getting fed spiritually by your spiritual leadership, you ought to take care of that spiritual leadership need. And EBC, EBC does an awesome job of doing that. You, you'll never hear me complaining because this church does what it's supposed to do as it relates to that. 
You yourselves are our witness, and so is God, that we were devout and honest and faultless toward all of you believers. Let's keep going, guys. And you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. Let's go, guys. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy, for he called you to share in his kingdom and glory. 13, therefore, we, we never stop thanking God that when you receive his message from us, here, here's what I'm after. Here's what the Lord is after for every one of us in here. Look what Paul says about these folks in Thessalonica. We never stop thanking God that when you receive his message from us, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. You didn't sit there and say, that dog Adam said that. Oh, I, I remember him when he grew up in Ben. Yeah, I know him. I know all his people. Familiarity. What does what, what the scripture say? A prophet is without honor except where? In his own country. Some of y'all are not. Some of y'all don't get any honor from your own family, do you? But listen, listen to what he says here. He says, he says, uh, you didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what, it, what, what, what we said as the very word of God, which of course it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. Let's go. It says this. And then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. Your own people. In this way, you imitated the believers in God's churches in Judea because of their belief in Christ Jesus suffered from their own people, the Jews. Now, this Thessalonica church was a primary Gentile church. So Jews and Gentiles were suffering because they, they promoted the gospel message, which was through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, Jew and Gentile together in the one body. Let me say this. Let me say this transparently. If you are a Caucasian member and come join a predominantly African-American church, people go, your people are going to talk about you. If you are an African-American that goes and joins a predominantly Caucasian church, your people are going to talk about you. Why? Because if we're really honest about it, many of us have raised our ethnicity to be an idol God. It's raised up above the message of God. You're saying my blackness or my whiteness counts more than the gospel. And what I'm here to tell you, that's a bald-faced lie if you're really being scriptorial. You go where the Holy Ghost told you to leave, to, to go, and be where the Holy Ghost planted you. Say, stretch me, Lord. And so we will be a church that is open to receiving whoever wants to come. I know you say it, but when people start to come, you get all icky and you get all uncomfortable. But I thank God that we have some people who are saying, it ain't about me, it's about him. What does his word say? Now, I'm going to tell you something. You got to be careful now because all of us, if we're honest about it, can have some, some idol gods in our life. It can be our children. It can be our husband. It can be our job. And it could be our ethnicity. We quote Dr. King, judge me by the content of my character, not the color of my skin. But a lot of us are judging folks by the color of their skin. We have preconceived determinations before we ever meet a person. You don't even know the person. How many of y'all have been judged in, by people who don't even know you? They judge you based off what your, what your enemies told them. Never met you, never had a conversation with you but don't like you. How you don't like me? I don't even know you. The gospel is what should be take precedent over everything. Watch this. So he says, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. In this way, you imitate the believers in God's churches because of their belief in Christ Jesus, suffer from their own people, the Jews. He's talking to Gentiles here now, okay? For some of the Jews killed the prophets and some even killed the Lord Jesus. Now, they persecuted us too. Paul, this is Paul talking. They failed to please God and do what? Work against all of humanity. Against all of humanity. So Paul was suffering this persecution. 
Now, guys, specifically, pray for leaders to maintain a good conscience in all things. In the book of Hebrews, the author has said some difficult things here at the end. We talked about the, we, we call this show me the evidence and show me the evidence means that these things are laid out in this 13th chapter should be present and readily visible in the life of everyone who said they, they love Jesus. Right. Spiritual fellowship should be there when, we, when we're showing hospitality, when we're showing brotherly love, when we're uh, uh, ministering to those who are marginalized and those who are in prison for the gospel's sake and those who are, uh, you know, and, and having purity in our marriages. We should be doing those type things. Can I get a witness? And, and when we come on down, we should be praying for godly leaders and, and we should be obeying our godly leadership. But, but the author Hebrews has confronted the, the traditionalists who wanted to hold on to their Jewish ways while still trying to follow Christ. He said, he, he has said, you can't do that. If you go back to Judaism or try to blend it with the faith in Christ, you will face God's judgment because you have diluted the gospel. The traditionalists were arguing with others in the church. He's gone too far. He's saying the ways of our fathers since the time of Moses were no longer valid. Now, listen, tradition is okay, but when tradition starts to stifle the word of God, tradition has got to go. Jesus came preaching a new covenant, and there were Jews who said, we like it the old way. As a matter of fact, we're going to kill you. But through their, they didn't realize that through their crucifying Christ, God's plan was put into motion. Are y'all with me today? In effect, the author is saying, I understand how difficult my teaching may be. Uh, and I ask you to pray for me because I am sure that my conscience is right before God and that everything I have said has been the truth and your spiritual welfare. Listen to me carefully as I get ready to close. Every pastor who is faithful to God has to say or do some things from time to time that will no doubt offend someone in the church. Are y'all with me? Often it's the traditionalist. We've never done that way, that way before. This is our church. What did I tell y'all? This ain't our church. It's the Lord's church. We've never done it that way before. You ain't got no respect for the past. Yes, I do. I, I, I respect the past. I love to go back and study the past and history, but I can't stay stuck in the past. Because if we're going to reach this untoward generation, we got to rely on the Holy Spirit to do his perfecting work in us. And we got to get stressed and get out of our comfort zone. Pray for your spiritual leaders that they will stand firm and maintain a good conscience before God who knows the heart. Let me give you just just quick little snippet here. I got to go. So if, if you if you really want to apply the word of God to your life. Here's a plan. Here's, here's what you all do. Simple little step here. Okay. Number one, state what the scriptures say about that area of your life or some area of your life. State what, say what the scriptures say. Read it out loud. State what the scriptures say about some area of your life. Secondly, tell what your life is like in that area. Okay, read what scripture says and then be honest and state what your life is like in that area right now. Number three, describe what you are going to do to bring your life into conformity with God's word. Y'all got that? Describe what you're going to do to bring your life into conformity with God. And lastly, specify what practical steps you will take to check up on yourself to make sure that you're actually conforming to the word of God. I'm going to repeat those again. Number one, he put them on the screen for you. Number one. What do we say? State what the scriptures say about some area of your life, whatever that area is. If it's getting along with people, state what the scripture says, not what you believe and not what your mama taught you. Because sometimes what your mama or your daddy taught you may not line up with scripture. Girl, let me tell you something. Now you marrying him. But don't you trust him and don't you depend on him. Have your own money. Have your own little, little stash. Don't tell him about it, though. Mama, mama, why did you just tell your daughter that? Well, you know, they, if they go crazy, you got something put away. 
So now you're already starting out a lack of trust and got something hidden because of what your mama said. State what the scripture says about some area of your life. Number two, tell what your life is like in this area. Be honest. If you don't really pray very much, say, Pastor, I don't pray very much. My prayer life needs to be increased. Don't lie. Don't lie to yourself. If you know you don't pray, you know you don't study, you got to be honest and say, listen, I'm not really into, into studying the Bible right now. And I got to get to a point where I, I can understand what God says and not what I say. Number three, number three. Describe what you're going to do to bring your life into conformity with God's word. And lastly, specify what practical steps you will take to check up on yourself. And my time is finished. Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to stretch yourself to reach your God-given potential? All of us, if we're honest about it, including myself, are constrained by our experiences and our traditions. In other words, we, 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 we're in some ways bound up and we need to stretch ourselves to get beyond what's comfortable for us. If in the last five years you have not done anything spiritually wise, and I'll even say even career wise or whatever, that, that caused you to stretch or you to learn something different, I'm going to say you're not operating at peak potential. Because God, God wants to do more in you than what he's, what, what's happening right now. He wants to do more in me than, than, than what I'm doing right now. And he's having to stretch me. And I'm telling you, sometimes when you're stretching, I remember when I was playing ball to take, when I was stretching, when you first start to stretch, Brother Danny, it don't feel too good. But when you get limber and you're able to, oh, look at that. Oh, that's far as I can go right now. But if I, if I keep... If I keep holding it, oh, I, I can go. Can I get to the floor, y'all? Oh, oh. Down a minute. Oh, it's going. Oh. It was hurting. But say, stretch me, Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we thank you.